This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Episode 179 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. lot to get to. Not a lot of it is positive this week around the Knicks as far as their performances are concerned. It was a rough four-game stretch for the New York Knicks, and we'll get to all of it. We'll touch a lot on where the Knicks stand right now, 22 games into the regular season and there is a lot for the Knicks to work on no question about that I also have a lot of thoughts on on where the NBA is right now as far as uh, certain teams in the west certain teams in the east are the Lakers starting to figure it out is San Antonio ever gonna win again in the west can anybody catch Phoenix as well uh, in the West, in the East, can anybody coach the Celtics and make them good? They're still at the top of the East. Are Miami not going to figure it out this year? And are the Wizards for real? Heck, are the Pelicans legitimate Western Conference contenders? lot to talk about this week, and we'll get to our normal State of the Union, State of the NBA, really, uh, in the second half of the show uh, real quick, because I, I don't think I really properly addressed this on the last podcast. Um, no no house cleaning stuff. Obviously, it's now December, uh, so the weather's going to get colder. That's uh, about it on that front. Um, but more importantly, and and, uh, and more seriously, I just want to, once again, you know, just make sure that I, I you know, apologize to all of you for the audio issues uh, that we had. I, I forget if it was the last podcast or the podcast before that, um, where we had uh, a bit of an audio problem. Uh, it was a mic issue uh, with my setup. I Again, I really apologize. It wasn't at the audio quality that I expected to be at. Um, it was listenable, uh, but that's not saying a lot. We have a higher bar here and frankly have the equipment so it doesn't uh again it's not state-of-the-art here we're not spending thousands of dollars we're not in a studio uh like i've said in the past i've recorded this podcast on my phone in a hotel when i've broken down on the side of the highway so we've done, you know it, it could be done anywhere but uh with all that being said uh the audio uh, i think it was a couple podcasts ago was really bad as far as i'm concerned and i apologize for that uh, a lot of you still listened anyway and i really that means a lot. I really appreciate that. You know, again, it's a mistake that I don't normally make, so I don't plan on uh, making it again, uh, hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, again, I apologize for that. I hope it didn't uh, impede uh, your listening experience too much. So uh, we'll, we'll move on. We'll be better in that regard. Uh, and last thing I'll say about it, again, it's, in the grand scheme, it's, it's not a big issue. We, we fixed the problem. It was just a... 
a microphone issue. We switched out the mic and the, and the issue is, is solved. So not a big issue overall. It was a simple fix, but it, it did kind of hinder, uh, I think it was 177. I forget which number. I think it was two podcasts ago. And the reason I bring it up is actually 178. I recorded, I think, 20 minutes of 178. And I, you know, in between the segments, I, I listened back to it and it was the same issue. So I switched out the mic, re-recorded the last episode. It sounded much better. And now we're fine. So we move on. Let's talk about the Knicks. Um, The four games of the last week, um, you know, I was really looking for the Knicks to protect home court. I was looking for the Knicks to get a, you know, really a, a win where where you where you really see them uh, get a I, I almost don't like to use the word resume because that's a college thing you know for for the NCAA tournament resume boosting wins and and stuff like that that's more of a college thing it's not an NBA thing but there are wins where you look back at your season look back at an NBA season and you go that was a turning point or that was a really good quality win against a great team and the Knicks have had those. No question about it, the Knicks have had those. But they haven't had that really, um, that that head-turning victory. And, you know, even some of their better wins have been against teams that either don't have their star out there or they're slightly banged up. Now, the Knicks have been banged up, too. The Knicks are still banged up a little bit uh, as we get into the month of December. But... You know, so I'm not trying to take away. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to take away from the quality wins the Knicks have had this season. You know, Minnesota, Philly, Denver. You know, those come to mind right off the bat. Now, the other thing is, I don't think the Knicks have won a you know a quality game at home this season, and that has continued to fester. You know, uh, the Knicks played Portland without Damian Lillard at home and got absolutely torched at the garden absolutely torched especially in the in the second and the third quarter uh jeremy grant gave the knicks work the whole night and scored 44 points uh anthony simons had 38 points as well for the blazers and and just frankly not good enough defensively against them. I mean, Jeremy Grant, I think, had 28 free throw attempts himself in the game. He made 21 of them. It's just unacceptable. It really is. And offensively, you know, most of the Knicks actually that needed to play well did play well in this game. You know, Julius Randle had 23. Jalen Brunson, I mean, at times has had to carry the Knicks. I know that... uh Julius Randle has had to take that mantle this season as well. Make no mistake about that. But 32 points from Jalen Brunson, you've got to win those games where he scores over 30 points. You have to win them. You have to win them. He's not going to give you that every night, and he shouldn't have to, frankly. But R.J. Barrett, you know, 19 and 10, but he was really inefficient from the field. He he shot 6 of 22 from the the field one of seven from three RJ Barrett has really struggled shooting the three pointer all season long. And Emmanuel quickly gives you 18 off the bench again. Quick, quick was really good. 
but you got to win the game. You're not going to get that every night. You're at home. You've got to turn that into a win. And the Knicks had to come back in the fourth just to force overtime. And Portland, you know, sticks a dagger into the Nick Hearts in overtime and win it 132-129. And they'll see each other again. The Knicks go to Portland in March. But for me, that was a gut punch. That was a gut punch. And to be fair, the Knicks had their gut punched multiple times between this podcast and the last. Let's be very frank about that. They, they had a couple of absolute heartbreakers this week but this one I think might top the list I this is a Portland team that was there to be had that the Knicks didn't have to deal with Damian Lillard and and at, and they're at home and they still lose I mean that's a that that kind of tells you where the Knicks are right now that performance as a whole kind of tells you where the Knicks are especially in crunch time just not able to close a game out and, and really the Knicks I in my opinion the Knicks kind of lost this game in the second quarter as well. The, the Knicks played well in the first quarter. And, and to be fair, th- this has been a, a bit of a bugaboo under under Tom Thibodeau. The Knicks you know, can get off to a good start and then they can't maintain it. Or they get off to a bad start and then they're just scratching and clawing just to try to make it a game. Because they've given up such a huge deficit early on. And it, it again speaks to the inconsistency with the team, it does feel like a little bit that we're beating a dead horse in that regard. And to be fair, you know, not not just the last couple podcasts, but in general, people have been asking me, you know, what it what's it going to take for the Knicks to move on from Tom Thibodeau? And the biggest thing I keep telling people, mostly my friends, to be fair, that have been asking, is I get you're frustrated. I'm frustrated. You know, and and we'll get to a few more games this week why the Knicks fans should be very frustrated with the way they've been playing at MSG in particular recently. But the biggest thing for me is when you fire somebody, first of all, there's a right time to do it. I think you've got to give Tibbs some time to try to get it right here. And to be fair, the Knicks are in a play-in spot still. As bad as they played this week, three uh, three losses out of four, Knicks are still right in the playoff conversation. I know it's, again, it's only December. There's a long way to go. But the Knicks will be able to win games with this group. And who are you going to bring in, you know, to steer the ship towards the postseason? The answer is I don't think there's anybody out there right now that would want this job that you could bring in and things will change. I really don't. And for me, it's premature. I think you have to give Tibbs at least until the new year to try to figure it out. And then I think you reassess. You know, if the Knicks are still right there, if they're ninth or 10th, I think you've got to give him some time to try and and get the job done, which is get into the play-in or the playoffs and give the Knicks postseason basketball to look forward to sold-out crowds at MSG that are ready to blow the roof off the joint. That's the goal for this season. And then the hope is to improve the team, build the team from there during the offseason. That's the goal. So it's going to be really intriguing to see how that happens. But one of the points I stressed last week was that the Knicks have to play better at home. 
They have to. The Knicks now, after this week, in their last 23 games at Madison Square Garden, if I remember correctly, are now 8-15. and 8-15 and in their last 23, going back to last season, at Madison Square Garden. I mean, dreadful. Not nearly good enough. 8-15. and 15. I mean, it really is, you know, lottery form at home. Borderline, you know, lottery form. And I'm talking about in the draft, you know. Teams that play that badly at home are in the draft lottery. And again, I mean, on the season, the Knicks are, I think, what are the... I think the Knicks are four and six at home now. It's not bad, but the Knicks last season, you know, if you if you want to throw last season's record, it looks even worse. But I'm just trying to, you know, last twenty they were eight and twelve. Now they're eight and fifteen, I think. After this week at home, Garden should be a place where the Knicks dominate, where the Knicks get wins against the bigger and tougher opponents. And they can't seem to claw it over the line at the end. And that brings me to the Memphis game. You know, the Knicks played Memphis really tough. Really tough. At, at, uh, and that was in Memphis on the opening night of the season. And to be fair, the, the Knicks played them tough again. They really did. Jalen Brunson again has, has a great night. He had 30 points again and the Knicks lose again. Uh, throwing away big time Jalen Brunson performances here. And I get it. Memphis was pretty much at full strength. John Morant was settled, has, you know, has been settling in quite nicely since he's come back off the injury. But once again, in the fourth quarter, the Knicks had to make up a pretty big deficit. You know, you had a lead again after one quarter. Knicks play well at home in the first quarter, and then they just... Let let the opponents take control from there. And I believe at the half, uh, it was still pretty tight. But into the fourth quarter, the Knicks had another double-digit deficit to try to make up. And Memphis is a team that is going to claw and put you away. They're going to put you away if you give them enough of a lead. Now, this is a team, again, that I, I talked about at the beginning of the season. They will be a Western Conference title contender. And on your home floor, you can't spot them a double-digit deficit that late in the game. They're going to finish you off. They're going to finish you off. And, and they did. The, the Knicks, once again, down the stretch, didn't have enough time to claw it all the way back. And John Morant makes some big shots down the stretch. Made that crazy... Uh, up and under layup at one point to really just stamp the authority on the game. And, and the Knicks lose 127-123 in a game where, listen, I expected the Knicks to lose that game. I, I wrote the preview article for that game, and in my pregame thoughts, I, 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 I said I expected the Knicks to give Memphis a tough game, but I expected Memphis to finish it off because the Knicks just don't have that late game DNA, especially on the defensive end of the floor, they can't get stops at times when it when it really matters in the latter stages of games. They really struggle 
to get enough stops required to win the game. And again, Randall, you know, smaller output from scoring. I thought RJ Barrett was a bit better in this game than he was against Portland. And Jalen Brunson, I mean, what more can this guy do? What more can he do in these games? I've said that at times in the past about Julius Randle. And he's had a couple of those games this year where Randle nearly has a triple-double or he he has another big 27, 30-something point night. And a couple of those games the Knicks have won. But but Jalen Brunson gives you 30 and 9. Five rebounds. He made 11 of 12 from the line. I, I, I mean, there's really not much else he can give you there. He gives you an another, on its own at least, epic performance. Another sparkling effort. And the Knicks, in the end, get nothing out of it. Get absolutely nothing out of it. Very, very frustrating performance in the end. Because again, it's a missed opportunity. And the Knicks have been really good lately throwing away big games at the Garden. Against very strong opposition very, very, very frustrating. And, and the Knicks took those struggles to Detroit and took it out on, on the Pistons, basically, who are really, really bad. You know, we, we saw some good signs when, when the Knicks first played them earlier in the season. And to be fair, right, and this is something maybe I don't talk about enough, there is that Garden Syndrome, right, because it's MSG, the Knicks get everyone's best shot, right? Everyone wants to to shine at the garden. There's celebrities in the front row. It's the Lakers have to put up with it at whatever the heck they're calling that arena now. I don't I, you know. The artist formerly known as Staples Center. So it's one of those things where the Knicks are going to get tested at home, right? But there's no excuse that 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 should not be what hinders you know. The, the, these Nick players have, have played in front of these celebrities under the lights for, for years now. It, it should not be impacting how they play at home. So what's the problem, right? Now, they go to Detroit and, and they win by 30. You know, th- this was a game where I kind of expected the Knicks to take out all the frustration from the last two games against the Detroit team. Again, that, that is one of the worst in the NBA. Talented? Yes. But they're not good enough to win games. And the Knicks, on Julius Randle's birthday, by the way, he had a huge birthday uh, birthday bash, if you will. Um, and the Knicks continue to beat up on the Pistons. This is the third time already. I actually just realized that when I was prepping for this show. Third time the Knicks have played the uh, the Pistons already this season. And they've dominated every game. So it's good that the Knicks are beating the teams they have to beat. That, To be fair, that is important. But at the Garden against tough opposition, the Knicks have been really throwing games away here where it looks like they've got a chance to either come back or they play well at the beginning, have a strong couple quarters, and then they just fade. And, and, and they, they've been picking or choosing between the second and the third quarter of late. It's either the second quarter where they just immediately let a team back in or or they wait a little bit till the third and then at halftime for whatever reason they come out flat and all of a sudden once again they they immediately let a team back i mean the atlanta game at home uh really stands out as well where, where the knicks had a huge lead in that game and 
Atlanta not only comes from behind, but they end up winning by almost the same margin the Knicks were leading by, which was like 23 or whatever it was at the time. Might have been more. You know, those are embarrassing losses. And I'm not saying the, that the Memphis loss was embarrassing. I'm not saying the uh, the Portland loss, although maybe that one a little bit more than the Memphis or the Milwaukee loss are, are embarrassing. But these are games that the Knicks are going to look back on if you don't make the play and if you don't make the playoffs and go, geez, we, we could have won that. We could have won. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. And I am getting tired of the coulda, woulda, shouldas in, in these in these tight games. But Julius Randle had a season-high 36 on his 28th birthday. He was tremendous. Um, the Knicks have actually won 11 straight against the Detroit Pistons. So... Seems like there. It seems like everybody in the team, everybody in the team, everyone in the league has a team they dominate. Seems like Detroit is that team for the Knicks. They 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 love it anytime the Knicks can play the Pistons. The Knicks get them one more time uh, on January fifteenth of next year. So they'll they'll beat up on them one more time. I'm guessing. But one forty one ten was the final, and the Knicks led wire to wire. They thoroughly dominated the first three quarters and uh again julius randall you know once again in a game where no player for detroit had more than 19 points really shined Knicks outmatched the pistons as far as effort and uh you know brunson didn't have to do as much barrett uh not efficient again but but got his 16 points and uh you know quentin grimes you know in a game where he starts plays well quickly played pretty well off the bench as well i will say a little disappointed that obi Toppin again in a game where he only plays 18 minutes but again doesn't get to double figures in scoring i'm starting to worry about his bench output as far as scoring is concerned if he's giving the knicks enough in that regard so anyway uh even even mitchell robinson you know chipped in with you know, six and 13 rebounds so he shined as well pistons are not good and the knicks took advantage of that but i do want to touch on the milwaukee game a little bit before we take a break i mean listen Giannis is Giannis. the knicks had no answer for him but you know grayson allen hits a a dagger three at the end that kind of you know, stick another knife through the Knicks' heart. I think there was like 30 seconds left on the uh, on the clock, and Giannis fouled out, I think, just before that happened. So you're kind of thinking, if the Knicks get a stop here, maybe they can go on and win this game. You know, and in the end, Grayson Allen, who, again, people talk about his shenanigans, and they're really more than that, his dirty play. He can be a very dirty player. Although I think with with certain NBA teams, he's been a little bit better. But he has that reputation, and it's well-earned. I'm not not trying to defend him here, but he's a very good player. He's, he's in the NBA for a reason, and um, he's a very, very good NBA player, frankly. He's got a lot of talent, very athletic player, good shooter, can defend relatively well on the, on the defensive end of the floor. Hits a, hits a big shot, and the Knicks never found an answer uh, in the end at least one that mattered and uh, despite rj barrett's strong performance it was his best performance i thought in the last couple of weeks and uh on top of that 
I really thought that despite shooting poorly at times from the field that Jalen Brunson made some huge plays. It was Mitchell Robinson's best game of the season, considering the opposition, 15 and 20 rebounds, tip of the cap. He was absolutely tremendous. 11 of those, by the way, were on the offensive end of the floor. And Randall gives you another strong performance as well. Bench, I thought again, was lacking, quickly struggled from the three, missed all five of his attempts. Toppin didn't give you much. Once again, off the bench, uh, I really don't know what his future is with this Knicks team if he if he keeps being lackluster off the bench. I know I've had to have this conversation a few times. I know multiple people have kind of gone back and forth on whether Obi Toppin is going to be a part of this team moving forward. I think he's got a lot of potential, but the longer you say that that word, right, that potential word, especially in the NBA, less chance that's going to pan out. You know, you got to start seeing consistent production, and, and Obi Toppin is still struggling to be consistent in that regard. So 109-103 ends a very disappointing four-game stretch for the Knicks. Knicks lost all three of their home games and won the one road game, ironically enough, this week. And I think that puts the Knicks, again, the Knicks at home are now 4-6, and six, I believe, this season, which again is it's not bad, but it's not good enough, you know. And the Knicks are six and six away from home this season. It's again, it's it's more of this inconsistency. It's Jekyll and Hyde play from the Knicks, who are currently in tenth, you know, just ahead of the Miami Heat. Uh, I guess it's a tiebreaker that puts them there, and uh, it's very tight. Again, the positive spin is you know the Knicks are uh, two and a half games out of fourth place, right? They're right there. They're still keeping themselves in it. But if the Knicks had won one or two of those games at the Garden this week, it's a totally different tune. Knicks would be tied for fifth right now. If if that, you know, if, a, you know, if Grayson Allen is defended better on that three or if, uh, if the Knicks, you know, don't sputter in the second or third quarter against Portland, it's a totally different situation really and the Knicks had to be I think on the whole extremely disappointed considering the fact that they just came off of a brutal road trip where they won three out of five and really steadied the ship despite a tough stretch dealing with some injuries and then again I, I'll mention it again right tough teams to be playing and MSG to be playing them anywhere Milwaukee Memphis and Portland but you've got to get one of them at least one of them at home and the Knicks continue to struggle at MSG this season they really do and it's just I mean I'll put it put it to you this way right think about the games the Knicks have played at the Garden and who they've beaten you know the, the Knicks best wins have all been on the road and three of the four Knicks home wins came in the first week of the season. So if you want to play that card, Knicks have lost six of their last seven at Madison Square Garden. The Knicks' four home wins this season have been Detroit, Orlando, a depleted Charlotte team, and Detroit again. 
Not exactly murderer's row. Two of the worst teams in the NBA and a Charlotte team that at the time didn't have two or two or three, I think, of their best players. And that game went to overtime. And the Knicks basically had their full their full group. That's not great. You know, now again, the Knicks have had good road wins at Philly, at Minnesota, at Utah, at Denver. I'll even throw an OKC, considering how that was a revenge game for the Knicks. But it, there still isn't that one where you go, wow, that was a really impressive win. And again, you have Dallas on Saturday. They need a win really badly. Then Cleveland, which will be a really, again, a, a statement victory is kind of where you're at compared to them, considering the Donovan Mitchell trade. And then Atlanta comes to town, who just seemingly, at least at the Garden, have the Knicks number in the regular season. Knicks have been able to go to Atlanta in the regular season and win. But for some reason, anytime Atlanta comes and it's not Christmas Day, the Knicks tend to lose. So it's just very, very odd. Sometimes it's tough to kind of put your finger on it. Then they go to Charlotte and then Sacramento at home. It's a brutal upcoming schedule. And the Knicks, again, they got to get back to 500 and try to get over that 500 hump and start moving up the standings. Because, again, it's a long season, but the Knicks have got to make moves if they're going to be in that mix down the stretch of the regular season. We'll see. We'll see if they can right some of the garden wrongs they've had the last couple of weeks. But these next three home games are going to continue to kind of tell us what the trajectory of this Knicks team is going to be. And we will see what happens from there. We'll take the break. When we come back in the West, can the Lakers start to turn it around in the East? Can anybody catch the Joe Missoula coached Boston Celtics? We'll talk about that and a lot more next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast, on the, on the Posting and Toasting, I should say, podcast network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Second half of the show, still some time to talk about the rest of the NBA. Let's start in the West. I I, the, I always find the West fascinating year in and year out. We were gushing about the Kings last week, and they're still playing you know, pretty well. Clippers have kind of started to turn a little bit of a corner, it seems like. I'm curious if they're going to be able to figure it out as the season goes on, but I want to start with the Lakers, who have won six of their last ten. You know, Russell Westbrook shimmying on center court in the middle of Los Angeles after making a third-quarter buzzer beater and a big win for the Lakers the other night. And all of a sudden, you know, Lakers are two games out of the play-in spot. They're 8-12, and 12, which is not great. But are the Lakers starting to turn a little bit of a corner? It's going to be interesting, right? Part of the reason that they've been in this hole 
is that LeBron has been injured at times at the start of this season. AD, you know, just doesn't look like the same player. I think that that is kind of not up for debate anymore. He's had so many injuries. And look at Anthony Davis, right? And you break down kind of his career, how many games he's played. He still, you know, is having a solid season. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's the guy, like how many more years is he going to be able to play? I just don't know. And again, I just checked his numbers again. Listen, having a very good season, right? Leads the, I think he leads the NBA in rebounds per game. I know he leads the Lakers in rebounds per game. And he's in the top 12 in scoring in the NBA. So he's having a good year. But I actually, I just, I didn't even see this earlier. He has a back issue. He's, he, he may not play on Fridays, probable, against uh, Milwaukee the day the podcast goes out. And actually, the, the Bucks might be getting Chris Middleton back soon. That's going to be a huge boost for them. They're 15-5 and five without him in the lineup as well. But uh, you worry about the long term. Anthony Davis is only 29, but... I, you know, the long-term outlook of this season is going to be really interesting. You know, Russell Westbrook has only started three games for the Lakers this season. You know, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, and you know, obviously LeBron and AD. But to, I should say Troy Brown Jr. and Pat Beverly have really been in the five with Lonnie Walker, the fourth, LeBron, and AD. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how long that can continue. I mean, Austin Reeves is providing... Some pretty strong bench minutes. One thing that I'm pretty surprised about is, and again, you know, the biggest thing to mention here, you know, Kendrick Nunn has played 18 games this year. He has not been the same player since he's left Miami. I don't know if he's been dealing with, you know, I don't know if it's if if it's an injury thing, maybe a sophomore slump. It's only his, I think it's only his second year in the NBA, but he's 27 and and it's just not really clicking. For him with the Lakers. I know Dennis Schroeder has been banged up, right? I think he's day to day with an injury or um or I beg your pardon, actually it's personal reasons. I didn't actually sorry about that. I did I didn't actually see that one. But uh regardless, you know, he's he's been dealing with things like obviously off the court as well. So he's only played a few games this season, Dennis Schroeder. So we haven't really seen his impact with the team yet. When we, when we see him, I think we'll get a better idea. I mean, he's only played seven games this year for the Lakers, and he, you know, he's been okay. But when he gets a really good run in, how are the Lakers going to do? If they can, you know, somewhat ride this out, that could be the spark for them getting a much better outlook for their postseason, you know, postseason aspirations in the West. The Spurs, meanwhile, can't win a game. Previewed that earlier. They've lost nine in a row, and that's the worst streak going in the NBA. Pretty crazy. Um, next thing in the West, before we switch over quickly to the East, I'm pretty surprised at how Phoenix is done. Pretty surprised. They had a rough offseason. They, they, they had about as rough of an offseason as you could possibly have, right? 
they have a, a really, really bad um, game seven loss to finish last season where they don't even get to, again, these are the defending Western Conference champs, you know, a year ago. They don't even get back to the conference finals. The Mavericks upset them at home and they blow them out in game seven on their home floor. A really shocking way for the Suns to end last season, right? Then you have the Robert Sarver fallout, which was just, I mean, for those that don't remember, I mean, that press conference that Chris Paul had and Monty Williams and Devin Booker, I mean, they looked dejected, absolutely mentally drained. And how can you blame them? How can you blame them for that? I mean, and by the way, Chris Paul's had to go through this twice. Donald Sterling with the Clippers and then Robert Sarfer with the Suns. I mean, how harsh on a guy can you be? in the game of life. I mean, Chris Paul, man, has been in some rough spots. What's been, again, a a brilliant NBA career. All he's missing is the ring. But my God, has he had to go through some uphill battles. So the Phoenix Suns are are a team certainly to root for, for neutrals, but it's pretty surprising that that they've been off to this 15-6 and start. For now, the, the best team in the West right now, they're a game up on Denver, who's starting to turn a corner again as well and they have the second best record uh i beg your pardon third best record in the nba behind the celtics and the bucks so fair play to to phoenix man they are really dealing with a lot and they're still playing well i'm starting to feel meanwhile looking at like some of the western contenders obviously denver's right there memphis is picking it back up again i know they lost the other night but memphis has got john morant back they're clicking again Clippers are going to be there. The Kings are, are, again, trying to stay in the top six. We'll see if they can hold on. Same with Utah. Although Golden State is coming. You know, Minnesota as well is trying to uh, steady the ship themselves at 11-11. and 11. Meanwhile, Portland, of course, they, they, you know, get that big win against the Knicks at the Garden. They haven't won since. They've lost three in a row since that game and and Dallas has been a bit of an underachiever so far they just got back to 500 with a win the other night I look at New Orleans that's the team in the west that I've kind of got my eye on right now almost every time over the last couple of weeks I've checked the west standings they're the first team I look at they're the first team I kind of take a glance at because I'm thoroughly excited about this Pelicans team. They could really shake up the West. They could be that bull in a china shop where we normally see a vase reserved for the for the Suns. We see a you know a beautiful bull ready for Denver and and Memphis and Golden State and you know maybe a few years ago the Lakers and. Portland's normally there. The Clippers are normally there. But the Pels, there's just something going on with the Pels right now. It seems it's going in the right direction. They've been very good at home this season. They've been 500 away from home. Again, dealing with some injuries. You know, Zion hasn't been playing every game, but they've been managing his minutes. 
if they can get to the playoffs somewhat healthy and get a home playoff series, boy, does the city of New Orleans, first of all, need that, you know, with what's going on with the Saints and and how poor they've been the last few years. That, that city needs good sports teams. I mean, they have LSU, right? I guess LSU is also kind of New Orleans' team, although they're in Baton Rouge. Um, but that, that, you know, that culture is very intertwined in that state with college football. I just love to see a team that's not normally there kind of changing the tide in sports. And New Orleans could be that team. I, I might be overhyping them a little bit. I hope I'm not. Because again, we're 21, 22 games uh, into the season. I I think that they could really do something special this season if they can keep it together. Pelicans, again, small market too, right? If it's a small market team, the neutrals tend to rally around them. You know, I, I guess for like ratings wise, you know, remember the Phoenix Milwaukee finals a few years ago, some of the ratings for that series weren't great, probably because of the markets they were in, right? It wasn't a Lakers Celtics. There was no New York team in there as well. The Nets didn't get that far, obviously neither. Uh, I should say the Knicks didn't even make the playoffs, obviously last year. So who's, who's going to watch, but that was a great finals. And I'm not saying the Pelicans are going to get there, by the way, but I think that a a team from a smaller market shaking it up a little bit with a star on, again, people love Zion. You know, people care about Zion doing well. You know, from his Duke days, he you know completely owned the college basketball world for a year. He could do that again in in the NBA, and he's got a good supporting cast around him. It's going to be interesting. They've got the Spurs the day the podcast goes out, so they they can make it 10 in a row lost for, for them. They could really make a jump here. But the Pelicans, I mean, Zion just had a huge 33-point night uh, against, was it against, uh, was it against Toronto? I think it was against Toronto, and they won convincingly at home. So I New Orleans, watch out for them. That, that's a team, if you're looking for a team out west, to kind of keep your eye on. I, that's Naturally, that's just what I've been doing. Pelicans might be a good option. And really quick in the East, Boston again, right? The two teams leading the respective conferences had really rough off-seasons. And everything that's happened with Ime Udoka, we don't fully know the fallout from it yet, but Joe Mazzulla's come in, and, and it, it almost doesn't matter who coaches this team. It almost doesn't matter. They're 11-1 and one at home, 18-4. and four. They've won five in a row, nine of their last ten. Boston's the best team in the NBA. Bucks are not far off, and, and fair play to Cleveland. They, they've been able to maintain their strong start to this point, just four games back of first in the East, and then you throw a, a nice old... Uh, you know, a bunch of, of praise onto, onto, the, onto the Pacers who are still there in fourth. I think Philly will figure it out. I think Atlanta will probably jump over them as well. I, I really do think the Knicks can get themselves into that conversation. But to be fair, the Nets have, have kind of bounced back a little bit. They've won three in a row. And, and still, I, I don't really know uh, what the situation is going to be with them, you know, moving forward. It really is... Uh, you know, again, they, they kind of beat up on the Magic. They they beat the play. They beat the Blazers. They beat the Wizards. 
um, you know, we'll see. And and in that uh, Wizards win, you know, Kevin Durant had a huge, huge night. But again, we we don't really know yet what what the uh, you know, again, Kyrie's back in the lineup. He's playing well, but what is the long term ramifications going to be uh, for Kyrie Irving? I don't know. You know, I think that might remain to be seen. But again, the Nets are, have been satisfied with with what he did, I guess, for now uh, off the court, and he's been back and he's been playing pretty well. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The Nets are finally above five hundred. I think that's the first time since the really early parts of the season, if 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 that that they've been uh, above 500. So they'll be, you know, again, long as you have KD healthy, as long as Kyrie is somewhat, you know, doing what he's supposed to do, um, they're going to be a threat. No question about that. And actually, I just checked that. They're 12 and 11. That's the first time Brooklyn has been above 500 all year. That's crazy. Pretty, pretty wild. But the Nets will be there, but everyone right now is chasing Boston. Again, it's a rival. Never like seeing the Celtics uh, at the top of the standings, but they've gone through a lot during the offseason, those players. And they, they're, again, they're not even fully healthy. They're not even fully healthy, and uh, and they're doing this. So credit to uh, to those players. That, oh, again, you know, it, it, you want to give credit to Joe Missoula, but it always almost doesn't matter who coaches that team. Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka, Joe Mazzula. Who knows who's next after that at this point. But for now, Celtics are the best team in the NBA. And uh, and we'll see if that continues over the next weeks and months as we get closer to the 2023 portion of the 2022-2023 season. On that note, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much as always for listening oh i should mention this hope you had a good thanksgiving i did as i i certainly did with my family and friends so i hope you all did as well and now we're certainly into the holiday season and uh, hope you're enjoying it as much as you can with your family and with your friends and until next time have a great week and i will see you all next time on the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network <laughs>